video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you want to watch Hello, my name is Justin McClure, and I'm here today with... Arkansas. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast, where we go through the top ten most notable DVDs and Blu-rays released every week at Bay Street Video. So, Mark, what are we starting with? I think we're going to start with... Dead and Buried from Again? Blue Underground. Haven't we talked about Dead and Buried before? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, like with every Blue Underground release, they put these things out five, six, seven, ten times. Listen, Who knows how many times? Like 12 movies, and then they're going <laughs> to keep going through it. And I like Dead and Buried. Yeah, so this is the 4K Ultra HD upgrade, which they're doing on a lot of their films now. And, you know, for the collector out there, it comes with not one, not two Three different lenticular covers. What, <laughs> three, what do you, what wait, do you wait, think wait. about that? What do you three think about that? Three lenticular, like in the same package or on like different releases have different lenticular covers? So no, there are three like, sep- so they're the same release. Mm. They just have three different No, that's covers. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. That you can buy. Do you yes. think anyone's buying all three? I don't know. I mean, they. this is the same thing they did with Zombie. I think that was mm. the first time they did this where they released it. That's like a collectibles covers. market uh, crash signifier. Yeah. That's what like comics and stuff like that <laughs> I do. I mean, I would hope people... People aren't buying three of these since they are like 50 bucks a piece and it's just the same thing. But yeah, I mean, you can get the original artwork or you can get the the needle in the eye sort of thing or you can get the uh, guy getting burned alive uh, cover. Fun times. Fun times. But yeah, no, I've always liked this movie. It's a Gary Sherman classic who is uh, the guy who made Deathline, Poltergeist 3, produced a bunch of stuff and it's written by Ronald Chesset, who obviously was one of the writers. And Dan O'Bannon, isn't it? Dan O'Bannon. I think it's both of them. It was, yeah, you're right. I always forget that Dan O'Bannon also was on this. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's just a cool, like, late 70s or It's kind of like a long episode of The Twilight Zone. It is, it is. It's got a great Robert Englund performance, like pre-Freddy Krueger. I don't know. I've always just had a soft spot for this movie. Uh, Will I be picking up this 4K Ultra HD? (laughs) No. No, because I don't have a 4K Ultra HD player. (laughs) And you refuse to. You know, these covers, they're they're getting me a little bit, you know. (laughs) I'm usually not a sucker for these things, but... And and as is the... uh, kind of the modus operandi of Blue Underground, they have the CD soundtrack in here. What well. if the eyes lit up and it's like, you've been Ooh, dead and buried? Uh, then, then I would buy it for sure. Ha- like a the, Dead Pit style. Yeah, like. what was the last person that had like light up something on a DVD Blu-ray case? That's a great question. Um, There's got to be one, know. right? I can't think of one. I can't one. think of one. I can't think of one since like maybe the DVD days. And like, did those Evil Dead sets light up like the faces on them? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That seems like a relic of the VHS days, honestly. But, like, whoever brings it back is going to sell a million copies, right? Oh, yeah, I right? know. I'm surprised somebody hasn't brought that back yet. And charge, like, $100 a disc or something like yeah. for it. <laughs> I mean, they do glow-in-the-dark covers. Right? Yeah, but that's, that's not the same. That's thing. that's a passive process. <laughs> it is, it is. But it's something with, like, um, you know, yeah, you've been dead and buried. Or, Ooh, it's a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd be all in for that. Oh, yeah. So moving forward, we have two Intervision titles here. Born for Hell, and Skinned Deep. So now Skinned Deep is one that I'm familiar with. I believe it was released by Fangoria Video back in the day on DVD. Yeah, we used to have copies of that way back in the day. And it's directed by Gabriel Bartalos, who's a pretty famous special effects artist. And this is his slasher movie. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre beats brain damage. And in that case, they mean Frank Hellenlotter's brain damage in the sense that, like, all the slasher characters, like a family, all have like really weird designs and like big special effects that are built up upon them. I remember it being a little weirdly paced, but fun. It has its own vision. Uh, Warwick Davis is in it, and he has um, 
like uh, like buzz saws that he throws like frisbees at people Ooh, that decapitate okay. them. Okay, I like that. And yeah, th- because it's Severn, of course, there is a big special edition. Well, actually, you know what? I say that that's not the case all the time. Oh, Look yeah. at you, Deep Blood. <laughs> I know. Who needs any info on Deep Blood? Me, though? me. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have probably bought it like a sucker. Just get Cruel Jaws. Oh, yeah, just get crew. Also released by Severin. But, yeah, there's a new uh, a look back with some interviews with the director and the cast, a commentary, and even the archival making of featurette that I remember was on the Fangoria disc. Cool. So I'm, cool. And I remember this movie was very difficult to uh, get for a while because mm-hmm. the Fangoria, I guess maybe they didn't do a long print run. Remember that Fangoria? I uh, do, yeah. They, they did that. They did Dead Meat. Dead Meat, right. They, I always thought those DVDs just looked really cheap. So they I did. Never really, I never they really They looked so bad, didn't they? Like yeah. whoever was in charge of graphic design, it's like the blood. Ooh, um, the blood dripping down at yeah, the top. Not good. The war zone And it something. wasn't even yeah. like good photos on the front. Like Dead Meat was just like a close-up of what looked like a computer-generated half-zombie face. Yeah, we used to get those in when I worked at Rogers Video back in the day. Wow. They, I know, right? And they just looked like the cheapest. And I remember there was another one that was like a woman's name and it was yeah, like... Um, that's what I'm thinking of. That's I'm not th- the Joshua. I'm thinking like of the Joshua. good movie Joshua. Yes. It was like some cheap movie called Joshua. It was just Joshua, like a set of eyes. Yeah, being the... interesting. It was all eyes. Like it's all, all eyes. All the eyes. blood yeah. dripping down at the top and eyes. That's definitely a choice. <laughs> yeah. So we also have Born for Hell. This is one that I've never heard of before. Probably uh, would have not been interested because it is like based on a real uh, serial killer or true crime that happened in Chicago, but so of, right up my alley. Yeah, but of it's course, the Richard Speck murders. Basically. I don't know who that is. You don't know Richard Speck? Eh? No, he was a I don't follow pretty, that stuff. Uh, pretty notorious serial killer in American mm-hmm. history. I think his thing was that he. Yeah, in Chicago, he went into a nurse, uh, kind of like a nurse's residence, right. and killed like a bunch of nurses. Really horrible, horrible stuff. But yeah, like you said, this hasn't really come out before, except for like a really, it had some public domain releases through Cheesy Flicks. And I believe, I believe that's because that it was only like a uh, compromised version that was yeah. out on video. And this, for the first time, is the director's cut. And I mean, when I read about this, I was like, no, thank you. But then I was like, wait a minute. On the back here, it says it's actually a Canadian it's film. It's CanCon, it ladies is. and gentlemen. It's CanCon. And uh, they Even actually though it was shot in Europe, I think. Oh, was it? I Boo, believe, yeah. I didn't know that. It's ah, Canadian. Fun, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It takes place in Chicago, obviously, mm. and, but it, and it was filmed in Europe somewhere, and it's got a lot of money from Germany and uh, some other European countries. So it's kind of like... It is That's a Canadian production. I mean, the director's Canadian, right? Yeah, I guess. But it's not like I say, oh, the director oh, no. of, like, Pussy Galore, Cats and Dogs. Yeah. That's a Canadian film. No, I know. It's like, it's one of those tax shelter things. I mean, it does say a Canadian, German, French, Italian co-production. Canadian's yeah. right at the front there. <laughs> but... <laughs> I like my Canadian films taking place in Canada. Me too. Me too. Uh, I agree. Also, like Montreal. Yeah, but, you know, you almost get nothing actually saying, like, oh, we're in Montreal. No, or we're I in know. Toronto. It's always like New York. It's, it's New like, York. Well, that's, I thought this would have been, like, shot in Montreal. and just mm-hmm. turned, That's what I thought. Even, no, I think it's shot. I read it was shot in Europe somewhere. So, uh, Well, I'm still going to watch it. I still bought it. Thanks for <laughs> yeah. raining on my parade. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
Uh, it has a bunch of awesome special features. And it's nice to have a director's cut taken from the National Archives of Canada, which, listen, this is not a Canadian. Throw it in the garbage, <laughs> yeah, National yeah. Archives of Canada. Okay, I'll Shot throw it in, in the Europe. garbage. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Burn every copy. But, yeah, people uh, really like it. Truly intense and shocking. I'm not familiar with the director, uh, Denis Eru. Me neither. I Denis looked him up Eru. briefly, but I didn't really recognize anything on his resume. All right, moving back to, uh, you know, the trash can. Oh, that he is- directed The Uncanny. Oh, That's what it was. never seen the uncanny. Yeah, me neither. That's and he was a producer on Atlantic City, another piece of CanCon that's not, not really CanCon. Really even though it won all it the awards yeah. at the Canadian Film <laughs> Awards know, that year. Um, moving back to the trash heap that is Europe, we have La Piscine, <laughs> yeah. which is directed by uh, Jacques Derrit. You must have seen this one, right? I love this As film. As yeah. Well, if you, if you're, you probably already know, but this is the film that was the inspiration for A Bigger Splash. Luca, <laughs> didn't see that one. You didn't see A Bigger Splash, <laughs> no. eh? Uh, I really love that film, but I also really love this film. I like both films a lot, and they both kind of riff on the same story in different ways. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, at first glance, this is like your pretty standard piece of like Euro art cinema from the 60s. You got Alain Delon there, Maurice Ronet, and then, of course, Jane Birkin uh, in one of her, oh, and Romy Schneider, and of course, Jane Birkin, mm-hmm. who, uh, in one of her earlier roles, I guess. Um, but it's just got a lot of atmosphere. It's really cool. I mean, and who's cooler than Alain Delon, right? Yeah, he's a well, real piece back, of shit Back now. then, yeah. back then. Let's, yeah, let's <laughs> forget about worse. current day Alain Delon. But no, it's just a really cool, if you like a bigger splash, this is a bit more of a moody, slower version. A bigger splash is kind of more in your face. And this one just uh, has a great mood to it. It's got a... As they say on the back, a loungy Michelle Legrand score, which is I mean, really every cool. Michelle Legrand score, he's written like 400. <laughs> I know, right? definitely like loungy. It's a paragon of 1960s modernist cool. So, But it really is. It's really like <laughs> a Nobody fashion. Nobody saw Mark it's a fashion the finger guns when movie, he said yeah. that. Uh, but no, this is a really hypnotic, cool movie for the summer, basically. <laughs> so, you know, lounge by the pool and watch La Piscine. Uh, because it also had never really been available. The only way you could get it on DVD was part of an Alain Delon five pack. That huh. remember Lionsgate was putting those out before, yeah. like through Studio Canal and everything. So it was on there, but it didn't ever look so good. So I'm glad Criterion picked this up and kind of restored it and put a bunch of special features on. All it. All right. So moving on, we have a new release from my pals, the Film Detective, and this one is Flight to Mars. Uh, I'm not familiar with this film. It has the generic sci-fi cover of every film that was released around this period and by that period i mean the 1950s sci-fi boom five earthlings land on mars and are greeted by a team of friendly martians uh or are they (laughs) this is uh, known for being a film by legendary producer walter mirish this one has uh like film detective has been doing lately tons of special features a new 4k restoration cinecolor separation negative Two exclusive documentaries, Walter Mirisch from Bomba to Bombi Body Snatchers and Interstellar Travelogue, Cinema's First Space Race. Cool. Oh, it looks like cool stuff. Uh, we've been selling them like crazy. We're actually sold out at the moment, but we have more coming in. We, we have, have the DVD. Coming. We have the DVD in. But, <laughs> Please, uh, we have more coming in. We have we, more. We have more. We have more, I promise. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm really digging these Film Detective Special Editions. They've uh, really upped their game. <laughs> Says Mark, They're having really never cracked one open and watched no, it. No, of course not. But I, I love just, you know, looking at the, the packaging. They mm. look like something. Yeah. That, you know, it's all about the great. surface stuff for it's you. Really, yeah. yeah. I don't have time to watch. Unless it's a Robert film. (laughs) Yeah, that's you know. So we have an action double feature as well released by MVD Entertainment. Yep. And it is Is this their marquee collection? No. (laughs) Is it part of their marquee collection? Yes, it is. (laughs) Oh, this blue case. 
is like definitely like Walmart fodder, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. On. This is something you'll find in a bargain bin. In Which Walmart. is a Scott Atkins double pack, the Isaac Florentine film Close Range, and Scott Atkins in Savage Dog, and that's a Jesse V. Johnson film. I like both of these films, and they're both different in their own way. I would have to say I prefer Savage Dog, mm-hmm. and Close Range has. Like two amazing action scenes, but two in one movie—that's not Only enough. Only two, yeah. yeah that's, that's Maybe two not and so a half. Good. So these don't rank very highly on your oh, Scott Savage Atkins. Dog definitely Savage does. Dog. Oh, yeah, okay. It's in the top okay. ten, I guess. Okay. The, neither of those crack that top five. Yeah, this must be some sort of like rights thing that they just—they <laughs> just got Listen, these two we legally and slapped have to them drop. together. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Cheap. Because then they do like a Ninja One, Ninja Two disc set that was like thirty dollars. That, that was an MVD actually. Oh. That was our old friends at Echo Bridge which I don't think exists anymore. Oh, really? Did it fold? Oh, but I didn't know that Echo Bridge had folded. Well, we've been trying. The last few titles I've tried to order from them have just come back saying they're out of print. You know what? I was looking into an Echo Bridge title recently, also out of print. Yeah, so I think all their stuff is being discontinued. Um, And then I picked up, what what did I pick up? Their Spiders triple feature. Remember they put that out? Mm -hmm. I picked up one of those, and I got one, but they were like, this is the last copy, and I don't think they're making these anymore. I wonder where Echo Bridge. They were done. They were a little shady, too. They were always shady. But, you know, I always did kind of enjoy them. They were even putting new movies out, though, up until, like, I remember they put out that Michael Shannon Pottersville Christmas movie. That was, like, one of their last new movies. Maybe they've just gone to streaming or something. I don't think so, though, because the titles I was looking for, like, they're not on streaming either, and they were easy ones that should have been on streaming. They had, like, a deal with, like, Full Moon for a while. where. Or did they? Like, it's weird, right? Like, I feel like yeah. Full Moon would rather not have, like, seven of their movies show up on a pack. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the quality of Echo Bridge releases Awful. was never great. I mean, them and Mill Creek were always kind of, like, yeah. the same to me. They mm-hmm. were all, but like, Mill you Creek, know, race. But Mill Creek elevated their game. Up, yeah. And Echo Bridge just kind of Echo faded Bridge away. Echo Bridge has such, like, a not-good logo on their discs. So no, when you flip it back, it's like, <laughs> what is it? It's like like a little wheel turning. Well, I kind of like have nostalgia for their logo when it would open up because it was, like, that really bad, I remember like, it opening. late 90s internet graphic. Oh, like so the going like into the wheel thing. It's like the river and like the little yeah. wheel spinning. It was really nice. It was really, really quaint. So moving on, we have The Wraith, the Charlie Sheen, Clint Howard, Cheryl Fenn, Nick Cassavetes, Randy Quaid classic. And it's this week's Blind Buy. And it's the latest release from our uh, friends at Vestron. <laughs> Are they our friends? Friend I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so this one is a film that. I, everyone's always talking about, always requesting. Yeah. And I I think I maybe watched 10 minutes uh, a couple of years back, and I'm like, boring. Okay, okay. And I watched it again this week, and I enjoyed myself. I had a good time with this, yeah. I have to say. I had a lot of fun. Here's what and I'll say. I was expecting to not like this. I'll say that. I, I liked it more than I thought I was going to, yeah, okay. but it had the same problems I, f- I could feel from like wa- like checking out a little while back, which is this is a 21-minute episode, episode of like, are you afraid of the dark? Or maybe one yeah. of those more adult shows stretched <laughs> out to feature lengths. There is yeah. no drama other than when will the bad guys be killed? Yeah. No, I, I would totally agree with that. Yeah. I think it does drag a bit. And I mean, basically, the plot is just like there's this motorcycle get or no no uh, there's this group of like road pirates that challenge people to races led by nick cassavetes who's pretty good in this Mm -hmm. i like actually liked his villainous turn in this and yeah this you know cheryl fenn they have killed somebody and basically this wraith the spirit Mm. driver has come back to 
kill them off one by one in hilarious kind of like a, a little repetitive ro- ways, which is essentially races. yeah, you get challenged just, to a race, yeah. and then the guy turns the corner and the race is just <laughs> and it's there. It's just there, and yeah, then and he, they, they crash into him. That happens like two or three times in the movie, maybe even four. Honestly, yeah. it happened. I wish a it was lot. like a little yeah. bit more variation on how they died. True, true. Yeah, you know, every time somebody you know races this mysterious card, they're just gonna die in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's some interesting production history in this. You know, Charlie Sheen is like kind of billed as the star. But he's actually not in the movie he's that much. He's barely in the movie. Because apparently he shot all the scenes in like one day. Really? Uh, yeah, apparently he was on his way to Vietnam or wherever they shot Platoon. Mm-hmm. Do they shoot in Vietnam? Um, oh, no, they definitely didn't shoot They didn't shoot in No, Vietnam, they shot like uh, Philippines or something Yeah, like that. he was on his way to shoot Platoon and he had like one day to shoot. So they basically like wrapped him in one day. Wow, you can kind tell. of explains why. Because he doesn't even seem all, like there all the time. No. I mean, which kind of lends itself to the character he's playing, which you can't really talk about. I would have probably enjoyed the movie if there was more Charlie Sheen in it as opposed to just being at the beginning and end, which is weird because then you spend all the time with the villains of the picture. Yeah, he's just absent from it for so long because, yeah, Charlie Sheen's like the new kid in town and everything. And, oh, yeah, Nick Cassavetes also, he's got this obsessive relationship with uh, Sherilyn Fenn's character. They're not like boyfriend-girlfriend, but he like basically... Yeah, he's like, I own you. He owns her and he's like watching over. So any guy that gets close to her, he's like like, in a beat-up, basically. I don't know, though. I mean, I mean, I guess the big reason people like this is the soundtrack, maybe. Also, a that lot it looks of cool. There's That, like, metal in the uh, car and yeah. the race itself looks cool. Yeah, I would say the action scenes, like, I like appreciated the racing scenes in it. Uh, they're pretty uh, boring. They're, they're kind of like, boring. But I, I don't know. I just, it's I'm just, pre- like, the cars side-by-side, side, yeah. close-up. I felt they went too long, too. I'm like, all right, okay. they're just going to crash. Okay. Yeah. Definitely, the director's trying to rip off uh, Mad Max. It has that like blasted like yeah. exploitation kind of feel, but like uh, lesser Brian Trenchard Smith films, like there's not quite enough there to go. There's these two characters we spend so much time with the baddies that just get killed unceremoniously, super quickly. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, Are it's they true. dead? <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, Randy Quaid shows up as the detective who's trying to figure out what's going on. And basically, don't really remember much about what he does. Really, it, he know? doesn't he's, figure anything he's out. He's really like, anything, listen, yeah. we can't crack this case because we can't even catch him. <laughs> yeah. Like, the end. Yeah. Yeah, great soundtrack, though. Great soundtrack. It had a vibe. And, you know, the director, interesting career for the director. I mean, he was kind of, he was the writer of Hot Dog, the movie. <laughs> and, and he also directed Hamburger, the movie. And he did Hamburger, the movie. <laughs> yeah. And then he had a career in the 90s doing, like, those softcore, like, baby blue type erotica Mm. movies uh which all look kind of funny um but this was kind of like the only non-sexploitation teen sex movie that he made uh except for some weird looking genie movie he made (laughs) called uh there's probably sexploitation elements in this man yeah look up wish man (laughs) (laughs) i'm shocked you haven't seen it no i know i'm going to though yeah and the race uh thankfully these vestron discs are not the price that they used to be, so yeah. they're not like uh, what, like forty-seven. Yeah, they're 20- up to sixty. Some of the old ones, <laughs> like Maximum Overdrive, was for sixty bucks. Sixty bucks. Are, is it still in print? Yeah. And yeah. It's still sixty dollars. They didn't even adjust the prices. But. So this is a big special edition. Now it did have a DVD special edition back yeah. in the day. Yeah, which was pretty nice. Yeah, had a lot of stuff on there. But now it's back. I think there's new audio commentaries, probably some new featurettes. So listen, if you look at the cover of the Wraith, you've heard us talk about it. 
So, you know, you'll know if you like it or not. I love this cover. It looks like it's, like, teen scared of the Wraith. Yeah. Like, it's, like, Charlie Sheen. I know. It looks like they're all, like, a group together, though, which isn't Is this, like, Randy Quaid? Who is this person? That's one of the guys in Nick Cassavetti's crew. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. uh, Sherilyn Fenn looks unrecognizable. If I didn't know it was Yeah, well, she's super young. I think she was, like, 19 when she made this. And she was dating Johnny Depp at the time, apparently. And Johnny Depp was apparently on set. for Because I think I read Johnny Depp was initially in the running for Charlie Sheen's role. And then he was just hanging out on set the whole time. So they should have just swapped Johnny Depp in there. You know, with Charlie, <laughs> have Charlie Sheen and Johnny Depp play yeah. the same role. Who's who's the worst uh, man, Charlie well, Sheen? I know, and Johnny and that's Depp. the thing, right? Ooh, that's a tough one. But right I like there. watching that's Charlie Sheen one. on screen more than I like watching Johnny Depp. I think Hot Shots Part I mean, Two. Jo- do Johnny Depp does shots. not have do. that. Yeah, um, Johnny Depp has less of a. You know, sense of humor maybe mm. in some of his earlier movies. Tiger I mean, Blood. Remember I did, Tiger Blood? I remember ti- Oh, I remember Tiger Blood. Actually, it's kind of considered going to see his stage show for no. like half a second. And then I was like, that will be a colossal waste of money. <laughs> it died. And I heard it was, yeah. Uh, both awful people. What is Charlie Sheen up to these days? He hasn't gone like down a right wing path. No well, new reality TV he shows. That he had a, he was HIV yeah. positive. I feel like I haven't heard much at all from mm. him. So I don't know. Well, you know, when Denise Richards was on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, there were one or two moments where she was on the phone with Charlie Sheen and you heard his voice. Over was she married phone. to Charlie Sheen? Oh my God. Yeah, of course. Oh, I don't know anything. Oh yeah. Explode. Like terrible, terrible marriage. It was like ended very fire, you know, mm-hmm. basically. But they still communicate. They do, well, form. they have kids yeah. together. Oh, so, okay, yeah. But it's still contentious. I think mm-hmm. there's still a lot of lawsuits going on. Oh, boy. All right, let's move something that uh, has no one that is offensive in it, right? I'm looking at this case very quickly. Uh, I don't think so. Maybe. <laughs> we have Little Big League, not to yeah. be confused with the superior Angels in the Outfield. Yeah, I would say Angels in the Outfield is more of a favorite of mine, but I got a lot of love for Little Big I League. I must have seen Little Big League, and I have no memory of it. Well, I was obsessed with, you know, kids' sports movies growing up. Especially, he plays on an adult sports team? Is that the gimmick of this movie? No, he owns a sports team. So basically... Uh, it stars the kid, f- Luke Edwards, the kid from The Wizard. The Wizard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Wizard. The Wizard. And he's like a 14-year-old, and his grandfather dies, who's played by Jason Robards, and basically, or he just leaves or something, and he basically inherits the team from his grandfather, the Minnesota Twins baseball team, and becomes the the manager. That does not sound like and a logical so progression like of a events. 14, or a 12-year-old kid running a baseball team. And then, you know, in typical movie fashion, he's, I think his mom is a single mom and one of the players he gets close to and there's a romance that happens anyways uh it's very much in line with a lot of those 90s kids movies from the mighty ducks to Mm. angels in the outfield or whatever does the team win the big championship at the end they i'm trying to remember because it's been a while since i've seen this but i remember the final scene it all hinges on like the player who he's getting close to catching like a, a ball catching or not yeah. catching the ball at like the the last kind of the final hour i can't remember if he catches it or not you he know must. it's one There's of those no way it ends like it rocky really, I, I don't know a lot of these movies didn't always end with the is there a mighty ducks though. movie where they don't win no mighty ducks was always a win for <laughs> <Yeah>. sure <laughs> um but you know in any case i'll have to watch it again to find out uh but i love that shout has put this out on their shout select line i didn't think anybody cared about little big league but apparently and they actually got new do. special features well, they've got a new interview with uh, Luke Edwards and Timothy Busfield, and that's it. They've got vintage behind-the-scenes featurette, vintage behind-the-scenes featurette, and a trailer. So there's not a ton on here, uh, but, you know, Roger Ebert likes this movie because <laughs> they've got a great Roger Ebert quote on the back here saying, Little Big League has the same mystical regard for the game as movies like Field of Dreams and Bull Durham. So moving on, we have Hydra. This is from the 
I don't know, uh, kind of problematically named a sublabel of Wellgo called Haya Originals. Yeah, this is a new uh, label they've kind yes, of started. I think in. they started it to be like, these are the really uh, low-budget films, yeah. so we can slap them on there. And I think they go straight to streaming. They have like their own Haya like, streaming service. I remember looking, it was like two ninety five a month. None of wow. movies on there <laughs> to uh, uh, justify it, but... I do like this movie, even though it is very small and low-key. It's directed by Kensuke uh, Sonomura, who's one of the great action choreographers currently working in Japan. But I believe this movie was shot in something like four or five days. So yeah, does uh, it feel it? Yeah, it does. There's like one and a half action scenes in it, but I think it's only 75 minutes long, 78 minutes Ooh, long. Okay. So I think it... It was meant for, like, streaming or DTV in yeah. Japan. And if you get the physical edition, it's not that expensive. Like, Wellgo priced yeah. it to buy, essentially. Even though no special features, Wellgo, you continue your train. I know. They yelled I at know. me that one time. I've told the story on Did the you? podcast oh, before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When I was like, why doesn't Wellgo have special features? They're like, if we do, you'll be you'll be saying it's not enough. Where does it end? And it's like, well, I don't think it works that way. <laughs> How about you start before we yeah. talk about where it ends? <laughs> Listen, you can't fail if you don't try. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, moving on, we have Antrim, the deadliest film ever made. You saw this one, right? Yeah, I really like this movie. Have you seen this? Nope, I have not. This is a recent Canadian found footage movie. Um, so, you know, up my alley for sure. Oh, it's Canadian. I didn't it's know it's actually Canadian. Canadian. Yeah, it's directed by a couple guys, uh, Michael Lacini and David. David Amito, um, although it kind of like appears to take place in the U, it not no! recognizable. It's not recognizably Did they shoot it Canadian. In Europe too? No, I think they shot it in the U.S. potentially. Okay. But basically, it takes the form of like a lost film. Mm -hmm. So it's got a wraparound segment where it's like a faux not a found footage though. No, so it's got a, like a wraparound mockumentary sort of mm -hmm. thing where it's t about with like film scholars talking about this lost cursed film. It's kind of like that John Carpenter Masters of Horror episode uh, Cigarette, Cigarette Burns, Burns yeah. where it's this film that apparently drove people mad when they saw it at a film festival in the 70s and it's just not seen the light of day. And then you get into the actual <laughs> film that they've unearthed apparently and it's shot in a very like filmic like 70s. Did they shoot it on film? I don't know. I mean, it looks like they okay. did, but I mean, you can make it yeah. look like it does. But it looks really, really I this good. I got a special edition release, didn't it? It came out on DVD a little while back. Right, maybe that's what This of. is the first Did we talk blue. about it when it came out on DVD? I'm not sure. I feel like it was before we did this okay. podcast, yeah. but maybe not. Um, this Blu-ray is from Uncorked, which mm. is just a small label that puts out... Small Canadian not label. A small Canadian label. Doesn't do a ton of noteworthy films, but I really like this film. It's got a ton of mood. The film itself is like not your typical horror type experience it's basically about like a couple of young kids who get lost in the woods and it becomes this like mystical kind of like cult demon demonic supernatural thing but it's got such a vibe to it they really nail the aspect of you're watching something that could potentially drive you mad, right? Mm. Like, it, they do nail that cursed aspect. How does it compare to something like, have you ever seen, uh, I always get it wrong, it's not Angst, because that's a oh, serial yeah, killer yeah. one. Uh, anguish. It's anguish. Um, that one has a real, like... Yeah, Anguish, I'm honestly not crazy really? about. I, you I, love, I love the idea of it, I think, Wait, more than the actual... Did I tell you a story that I, uh, during my 24-hour film festival yeah, I, I remember you the played first it. one, yeah, and yeah. no one knew what it was? Yeah. They didn't even know that the... Uh, uh, there's a twist in anguish. They there didn't know is, that twist yeah. was coming. And you need to see that movie, uh, film in a movie theater. Oh, especially totally. Especially the dilapidated one we were in. Because yeah. You're like, oh, what Gerard, is going on? Right? Yeah. No, I, I, maybe it would work better for me. I think I went in with really, really high expectations to anguish because mm -hmm. I loved the concept of it. And I was just like watching it at home. So maybe in a theater it would be better. 
Um, but yeah, it's got a similar type vibe as that. Uh, but I would, if you're looking for like a new horror movie that's like different from mm. anything else you've seen recently, check out Antrim. I'm not going to say it's perfect because I don't think it necessarily sticks the landing. It kind of like, at the end, it seems like they don't really know where to take it. So If it's Canadian, why don't they just set it in Canada? Like, why no, don't you just set it yeah. in like Toronto? Well, because the film itself, I think, is supposed to be a, like they say, European it's from a European film. director. Because it it's got it's European like, credits, like Polish credits or something like that. Wouldn't it be cool like if it like right. came to Canada with like French filmmaking? Yeah, right. It's in English. Like the yeah. actors are speaking in English. So, yeah. so I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure why they didn't just make it explicitly Canadian. Or even just have a Polish director come to Canada. That's fun. Maybe they just like think, you know, we'll get a bigger reach if we make it like more, less true. Canadian. Like, you know, no, I know, I know. Like, has anybody gone like, I don't want to watch that. That's Canadian. I mean, never. Not me. No, not I don't me. think anybody has. Uh, people often tell me there's a stigma against Canadian. Yeah, because they feel like homework. But I think that setting yeah. a film in Canada doesn't mean it. Like, if it's a genre film straight up, like, there's no reason you wouldn't no, check agree. it out because it's set in Canada. Yeah, and something like this, you could easily just be like, oh, it's this weird movie that came out of Canada or mm -hmm. something. Like, I don't know why they didn't need that. But in any case, this is a creepy little movie, and I would highly recommend you it. You sold it to me. Maybe I will check, check it, it out at some check point. Check it out. You might be a little disappointed by the ending. I would say Ooh, no. the Does ending. Die? No, not necessarily. Okay. It's just they don't necessarily know how to like wrap it up. Mm -hmm. I'll say that. So moving on, we have one that I was shocked, shocked that Mark said, mm, not a very big fan of, because it is. Uh, it's okay. David Arquette's Eight-Legged Freaks. <laughs> yeah, it's like he, it's like his movie, right? David well, Arquette. He stars in it, doesn't it? No, he does, but it makes it seem like he directed it. <laughs> I wish he directed it, honestly. No, because this is directed by uh, Ellery LKM, yep. who's an interesting director. I believe he's Australian, mm -hmm. and he only made like a short film, and they hired him to direct Eight-Legged Freaks. Yeah, they? because it was produced by Roland Emmerich and mm -hmm. Dean Devlin, right? Because so they wanted to like, make like a big giant monster yeah. movie. Even though I heard Adam Rifkin had a giant monster, uh, giant bug script, uh, director of Detroit Rock City, that he was supposed to direct, and it fell through at the last minute. It feels like maybe someone like Rifkin could have, I don't know, made this better. I mean, I will say I was so excited to see this in they theaters when it, it came out. So like, much. Like, this it was a was, huge release. Yeah, I think this came out in 2002. I would say this was one of my most anticipated movies that year. I was doing all so the excited. Well, what, what let you down about it? I think it was maybe a little... The problem is it's rated PG-13, and I think at There's that time death, I wanted there to be, like, a little more hard R-ness to it. I remember it, a lot of know? the giant spiders being killed as chainsaws and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, no, I like the spiders, and I like when they're attacking people. ILM um, effects, it was a, right? Yeah, oh yeah, and I think so, right? Yeah, and uh, I remember it was ILM was a big deal, yep. and I remember that... It looked good. Yeah. They also did the thing where like the spiders are running around during daytime as yeah. well. There's like, what is it like? Uh, they're on like four wheelers. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. They're on like eight, or ATVs or something. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's definitely like an early two thousands movie. Mm. And yeah, you got a young Scarlett Johansson's part. Uh, you know, I'm in just it, trying right? to. I'm trying to uh, drill in here of why. Have you watched it since then? No, I've I've only seen it the one. No, I saw it in theaters mm -hmm. and. You know what? I liked it. I just like it's I feel not like a movie that's like it more it's not a movie now. that's it's not like you know when we talked about House of Wax last yeah, week yeah. where I'm like oh that really holds up like when this came out I'm like yeah this was fun yeah, but it's not no, something I'd ever consider. There's no like eight legged freaks diehards are there? No, I mean it's just it was a little too jokey and PG mm, for me. Too I, like nudge nudge wink. Yeah, wink. like I yeah. wanted it to be as much as I love David Arquette. I mean he's great. Um, I just wanted it to be a little more like savage i guess mm -hmm. and maybe it just it's a little too kid friendly i think but having said that i do love the spiders spiders look great there's a lot of great spider mayhem i would say if you've never seen it give it a chance it's just not one that i ever wow i want to check out this commentary track with uh david arquette 
Rick Overton. Is he an actor? I think so. That name sounds very familiar. familiar. And so. also uh, the director and Dean Devlin. <laughs> Dean Devlin. on the same great. commentary track. How about that? And there's also a new making of. This is a Shout Factory disc. And they yeah. brought back everyone. The director, the producers, uh, even a bunch of the stars. Okay, so it says co-stars Dougie Doug. Yeah, Rick Dougie Doug. Oh, is he a musician, Rick Overton? Yeah, right? <laughs> Marcus Seriously, quickly I'm like, looking I'm on his phone as he does it. I know. That name is like... While you do that, like, I'll talk about Ellery LKM because he went on yeah, to a do? career of directing the two DTV Return of the Living Dead films. Right. Return of the Living Dead, That's... Necropolis, and Return of the Living Dead, Rave, Rave to the Grave. To the Grave, which <laughs> is my favorite. Originals. I know. Love uh, that title. I know this vividly because I was very conscious on the internet while it was happening. And nope, uh, Mark is looking at Rick Overton. I don't know. At me. He was in Willow, which I've actually never seen. So that's eh, okay. Know. It's Ron He's Howard. He's in Groundhog Day. You know and I don't is. really remember him. Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Rick, <laughs> Rick Overton's listening. And then he's, he's like, in no! it. Yeah, I know. Sorry, uh, Rick. But yeah, you know what? I'm almost tempted to check it out again because I do remember having the same feeling that you were, which is like, it's okay. Yeah, it's I not was just great. a little. Di- yeah. Maybe you know, if I didn't go in with such high expectations as like a you know 16 year old when it came out, maybe I would have liked it more. Yeah. I don't know. This was just like, I just remember this so fondly as being something like, I have to see this, like opening weekend. I'm so down. And then going to see it with some friends and being like, I yeah, wonder if at yeah, one point okay. they were aiming for an R. And then maybe when ILM got on board, they're like, nope, nope, yeah. PG-13. I mean, they reference, you know, one of the quotes in the back reference Tremors. And I guess I could say it, I, I, it has a similar. R, isn't it? No, I think no, that's PG-13? also PG. Okay. And when we talked about Tremors, that was a similar thing. I was like, yeah, it's okay, but it's a little So Mark is PG-ish. like, you need that true crime, I need like, and violence. You know, and I, especially when it's a spider attack movie, I just want to see like people get really like ruined by spiders. And I guess <laughs> all those Dark Castle films were PG-13 films, right? No, they were R-rated, no, actually. No, they were all, sorry, yeah. I mean, R-rated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. That's the thing. At that point, I was like. House on Haunted Hill? Yep. Yeah, I don't remember being more very violent. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not like nowadays it's yeah, pretty yeah. tame, but like, yeah, when I was a kid, those like I was into those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So watching something like this, I'm like, yeah, it's fine, but this is for kids. <laughs> I'm, into, I'm into adult horror. Yeah, now. give me the X-rated eight-legged freak. Yeah, full <laughs> penetration. <laughs> right? David Arquette would do it now. He would. He would. So I'm surprised f- they haven't made like a really cheap DTV D- sequel. David to Arquette this. would show up. He would be into that, right? And I would watch that. Is I it would a definitely Universal watch production? I think no Warner Brothers. Warner put it out initially. Does Warner? do DTV stuff? They must, they right? They did, yeah. yeah. Well, they did DTV sequels to those uh, Dark Castle movies. They did like a House on Haunted Hill sequel. Oh, well, you have to remember that House on Haunted Hill too was cutting edge because it was choose your own I scares. Know, I know, <laughs> Terrible, terrible movie. Terrible movie. So do you think David Arquette has a second wind in him though? That like yeah. there's a chance like a Paul I mean, Thomas he, Anderson or something like that? He had that documentary, right? Which yeah. definitely brought him a little bit more into the spotlight mm. in like a serious way. Yeah. Um, I never watched the doc. It's good. Were it's fun. Really? Because you were like, it's okay. Okay. Well, it's worth a watch. If yeah. you like David Arquette, it's worth a watch. I, I just like don't, the, I, I just I don't think very you're, charming. yeah, I just don't think you're going to get anything that like, well, I'm not like illuminating from it. Fan, right? So I'm not like, I already know all this <laughs> yeah, information. Yeah, that's the thing. It doesn't really, yeah, like get into like who he is that much. Or what but, he like, does. Or what he does. But you know, I like David Arquette and I think he could, I feel like he was in something recently that was like, oh, Spree. He was in Spree. Oh, he's good in Spree. Yeah. And I still haven't even watched that, so I gotta watch. I gotta watch. I was that. gonna say it's weird, right, that they have like an acting dynasty with Roseanne Arquette and Patricia Arquette. Yeah, and Alexis Arquette. Yep, that's right. So that's it for this week on the Bay Street Video Podcast. And everything's open. Come on in. Get oh, eight-legged yeah. freaks. Get eight-legged freaks. Uh, spread that David Arquette love. Except not uh, on Sunday coming up in August because yes. Bay Street is closed. We are closed and Monday, Sunday, Monday, first weekend of August. We're closed for inventory. Yeah.
because we got to count all these discs here and make sh- and see what got stolen. <laughs> Probably quite a bit. <laughs> well, since we've been closed for curbside, hopefully not, not that, that much. much. Oh, but that's true. You never know. You never know. All right. So until then, my name is Justin DeClue. And I'm Mark Hansen. Keep on buying. Keep on renting. The David Arquette Renaissance. These movies and many more are available at your local video store. Yeah, come on. We got them all. Dream with the fishes, anybody? You seen that movie? Oh. Crime Town. <laughs> yeah. Mob Town. Mob, Mob Town. Town. We still got right, that yeah. rental copy, people. <laughs> Nobody's touching it.